0: Good, strong, actual poker advice. We're going to be discussing how... Well, not how. We're going to be discussing three mistakes to avoid with pocket pairs, And specifically, we're going to be discussing small pocket pairs. Hopefully, you all are here. You all can hear me, see me, say something, type something, say hello. It's bright and early Monday morning. I just got back home from a three-week trip to the woods to upstate New York. And anytime you unplug everything for your computer and plug everything back into your computer, a few weeks later, inevitably, something, somewhere, does not work. Understand, all pocket pairs can be extremely profitable. You can make a lot of money with them, if you know how to play them right. Most people don't know how to play them right. They make some common mistakes that result in them not winning as much money as possible from them. So, today, we're gonna be discussing a few things you can do to make sure you do not make the common mistakes that many people make on a regular basis. three things. Number one, do not re-raise with them too often. Don't three-bet them. These are great hands to call, not great hands to three-bet, usually. Next. Number two, do not play weekly post-flop. Number three, do not fail to bluff with them when it makes sense. A lot of people... Call the flop, check, check, turn, check, check, river, hope to win at the showdown. And sometimes that's what you should do. But other times, especially when the board is good for your range, you need to be bluffing with them. Especially when they are kind of unlikely to win at the showdown, and the opponent probably has some sort of medium-strength hand that you lose to with your small pair. Thanks to all of you for being here today. If you like the show, click like, click subscribe. Let's get right to it. Number one, do not three-bet small pairs too often. They usually want to call and see the flop, or maybe even fold in tough games. Even though you're often call it behind, and you're not going to realize your full equity especially well post-flop, you should call because you have huge implied odds, and when you do make a set, your decisions are super easy, and when you can win a lot of money. What I mean by this is, say someone raises you call from any position, and you have pocket twos, and the flop comes anything. On the flop, if your opponent bets, and you fold, You probably had the best hand like a third of the time or 40% of the time or 50% of the time. So you're overfolding there. So you're not going to realize your full equity in those scenarios. But when you do make a set, you're going to have close to 100% equity and you're going to absolutely crush your position, your opponent. Do you call three bets out of position? You do when you're getting the correct implied odds. We have charts for this at pokercoaching.com. They're available right here on your phone. You can pull it right up. While I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm going to pull up a scenario. I'm going to pull up a scenario on my phone. I can even find the app on my phone. Too many apps on the phone. You really only need one for poker. Poker coaching app. Let's see. GTO preflop. Let's look at 80 big blinds deep. Let's say you raise the low jack. Let's say you get 3-bet from the button. So we're out of position. Can you see this here? Eh, maybe you can't see it. All the pairs call 80 big blinds deep. They are all in green. So yeah, out of position. You call. In that scenario, what if we are 40 big blinds deep? Mm Hmm? All the pairs call right there in the app, just for you. Go check out the Poker Coaching app. What if we are 30 big blinds deep? And yeah, we still call a lot. Sometimes we're starting to shove now because we get shallower. 20 big blinds deep. Still, don't fold. That said, said, the three-bet size is going to get smaller, and you're not playing the small list pairs. So make sure you check out the Poker Coaching app. All of this is here available for you. Pairs are pretty good. The main exception to when you should not be three-betting them is when the stacks are shallow and when you are in the blinds. When those two things are happening, very often you do not want to call with small pairs. We're going to take a look at a few examples here. These are straight from the app. All right. The way you read this here, I know it's a little bit small on your end. We have tournaments full ring. So these are tournament charts. 80 big blinds deep. We are in the low jack versus arrays from under the gun. Okay. Then we have same scenario, except for we're 40 big blinds deep in the middle. Same scenario, except for 20 big blinds deep. And a low jack. Do we ever 4-bet small pairs? Not really. The problem with shoving for deep stacks with small pairs is you do not block your opponent's calling range at all. When you are bluffing, you want to block your opponent's calling range, which is why you see a lot of the best bluffing hands contain an ace. Like You'd much rather have ace-5 suited than pocket 5s, even though... Pocket fives is a better hand. That's because pocket fives does not block your opponent's calling range at all, right? So, no, you don't four bet the small pairs. Let's take a look at these charts. Okay, 80 big blinds deep. If the low jack raises, I'm sorry, if under the gun raises and we are in the low jack seat, which is under the gun if we were six handed, so early position, you see 80 big blinds deep, the small pairs down here either call or fold. Now, you may say, should we actually fold these? And I think the answer is no. This chart presumes your opponents play perfectly. Now, do your opponents play perfectly? Obviously not, right? So you can actually call a little bit wider if your opponents will either raise a little bit too loose from under the gun, which, you know, a lot of people do, or if your opponents... That's slightly off the screen. Or if your opponents will not uh, three-bet often enough when they are yet to act. So if they're not going to three-bet you enough, If they're not going to 3-bet you enough, what is happening here? I'm slightly off my screen. Like I said, it's what happens when you travel. Um, if they won't 3-bet you enough and the initial razor will be a little bit too wide, you get to call wider. So if you see down here, these small pairs are calling sometimes, folding sometimes. You should you can just call them every time. You may be surprised at how tight you have to be here. So the Connectors don't get to play I think it's probably okay to play a few of the suited connectors in this spot. Again, if you're not going to get 3-bet very often, but if you are going to get 3-bet by players you get to act, you do need to play kind of close to GTO. So in very aggressive games, you should be way more inclined to fold the smallest pairs and the suited connectors, but in loose, splashy games where everybody calls and sees the flop, then sure, small pairs are great to see the flop because when you flop a set, you almost always win. All right, what about uh, 40 big blinds deep? Pretty similar range, right? It's not that different, especially when it comes to calling with small pairs right? You see they're either calling or folding, and 40 big blinds deep, I think you can call. Where things start to get really different is 20 big blinds deep. Now you see all the small pairs just fold, and I think you should be folding with them. That's because you're way more likely to get shoved on by someone yet to act, and then you're gonna have to fold. Like, say, under the gun raises, you call, someone goes all in for 20 big blinds, gets back to you, you should fold, because you're in bad shape against that shoving range. So, you just don't play them to begin with. Also, whenever you do have a small pair, you usually want to be getting something like 10 to 1 implied odds or more. Meaning, if someone raises to, let's say, two big blinds, you have to put in 2 to try to win their 20. Because you both have 20 big blinds, right? 20 divided by 2 is 10. Which is right at the cusp of playability. And then, if you account for your poor position, because there's a lot of people yet to act, now you should start folding out these small pairs. So this is when under the gun raises and you're in the low jack. Gotta go to the Adri Adrian Dak. Adrioniacs? I don't I don't even know how to say that word. No. We were kinda near new Pulse. Oh, one second, someone's calling me. Hello? That was the doctor's office. I wanted to have a whole conversation. Don't they know it's time to do the show? Welcome. Thank you. apologize for the complete lack of professionalism where I had to answer a telephone to talk to the doctor. Shout out to the poker coaching members, Vince and Dooley, taking fifth and sixth in the $1,500 World Series Monster Sack. Congrats to them. I am going to be streaming my play this Sunday in an $800 tournament and a $5,000 tournament online. That'll be fun. Assuming the internet works, I'll be out in Las Vegas playing the Poker Masters tournaments. Rumor has it I'll be giving away some of my poker action in that $5,800 tournament. We'll also be giving away action to my Poker Masters tournaments in the Poker Coaching Discord. Make sure you get in the Poker Coaching Discord if you want some of that action. All right, now we're looking at a different scenario. I have under the gun plus two raising, so still early position raising, but now we are on the button. Okay, again, 80 big blinds deep here, 40 here, 20 here. So, you see 80 big blinds deep on the button, you call all the small pairs. Even against a relatively strong under-the-gun range, that's because now, 80 Big Blinds Deep and 40 Big Blinds Deep, there are fewer people yet to act who will 3-bet us. Okay? You see, 7s and lower, literally never 3-bet when you're deep-stacked, okay? What about 20 Big Blinds Deep? 20 Big Blinds Deep, you can still call the small pairs, but now you're a little bit more inclined to shove. That's because you're in later position and you don't have to worry about too many people yet to act waking up with the nuts and the under-the-gun plus two player is going to be slightly weaker than under-the-gun player. Against under-the-gun player, you'd be more inclined to call the small pairs than 3-bet them. Also notice twos and threes are still folding some. I don't think you need to do that, again, unless you think the players yet to act are going to be 3-betting a lot. Your biggest difficulty comes from hands like 10s or 9s, where you know they're premium, but you don't know how to use them. Well, take a look here. 80 big blinds deep. Under-the-gun plus two raises, you have 10s. You mostly call. What about 9s? Mostly call. Same thing 40 big onesie, mostly call, mostly call. They're not premium, they're clearly medium strength. Premium hands three bet every time. Aces, kings, queens, and ace-king. These are the premium hands. Notice Jax, 80 big onesie, doesn't even three bet against an early position raise because it's just too likely they have a very good range and when they do four bet you, it's a disaster. And you see, with a shallow stack, you just rip it in because yeah, they're great. Now the super premium hands actually slow play. You see aces and kings just calls, right? You open small pairs and get three bet all the time. So with 100 Big Blinds Deep, you should call, right? Consult the charts. Let me take a look at the chart again. Let me take a look at the chart. All questions before the flop can be answered by looking at the simple poker coaching app. Let's see. You play cash games. Okay, cash games. 100 Big Blinds Deep. Low jack. you raise first in. You get 3-bet. Versus 3-bet. From the button, let's say. What do you do with small pairs? They all call. Sometimes fold, though. 9s, 8s, and 7s folds some portion of the time. You may be shocked at that. That's probably too weak and nitty. So, yeah, call and see the flop. Pocket pairs, you only flop a set 11% of the time, wink. Indeed. But when you do flop a set, you're going to win a lot of money. And, as we'll see in our next point, you're not just folding every time you don't make a set. That's where you all screw up. If you do play GTO pre flop, a lot of you play way too weak post flop. Let's take a look at one more scenario where I want to show you how to play the small pairs. All right. 80 big blinds deep, 40 big blinds deep, 20 big blinds deep. Now, big blind versus a cutoff raise. Okay? So cutoff raises, we are in the big blind now. Do we 3-bet from the big blind with small pairs? Take a look. Deep stacked, never. They all call. 40 big blinds deep. 7s and 6s and 5s do 3-bet some. 40 big blinds deep. 4s rips it in some. But you see, small pairs, 5s, 4s, 3s, and 2s, well, 5s, 3s, and 2s are calling the majority of the time. Now, You may ask, should we be jamming 40 big blinds deep in the big blind against a cutoff raise? And I think in most tournaments it's probably a mistake. Again, these tournaments presume you play perfectly and your opponents play perfectly. And I think that most people will make errors after the flop, especially in small and medium pots. I think they're going to let you realize your equity way better than they should. And so for that reason, I typically don't take these marginally profitable shoves. 40, for 40 big blinds 30 big blinds sure 40 big blinds eh, feels a little dicey however maybe your opponents fold far too often to a shove if that's the case rip it in on them all the time take all these small pairs and shove again you can see charts for 40 big blinds 30 big blinds 25 big blinds etc. in the poker coaching app um, 30 big blinds deep, I'm definitely shoving the small pairs way more often but 40 big blinds feels a little dicey that said because it feels dicey doesn't mean it is just because something feels uncomfortable does not mean it's necessarily bad um Quite often, it means it's good. Think about most things in life. Most things that are uncomfortable, well, many things that are uncomfortable, are super good for you. Every morning, I wake up and drink a giant vegetable smoothie. No fruit, only vegetables. Carrots, kale, spinach, chia seeds, water. It doesn't taste good. It's kind of uncomfortable, really. And it's big. It's bigger than my head. And my kids drink it too. And my wife drinks it three. And, at least for me, I down mine in about 15 seconds. And it's not comfortable, but I do it because I know it's good for me. Shoving these pocket fours is probably good for you. Get accustomed to it. Get used to it. Embrace the variance. Enjoy yourself. Now, remember, the one major exception I said. The main exception for when you three-bet a lot from the small blind is when the stacks are shallow and you are in the blinds. Which is what we're seeing here. Take a look at this. 20 big blinds deep. Big blind versus a cutoff. You see you shove all the pairs. Sides, aces, and kings, right? And you'll see in this scenario now, these hands are all shoving because you're against one kind of loose range, and when you do get called, you're going to be 45-ish, 42-ish percent, something like that, and that is plenty of equity because you're going to have a lot of pre-flop fold equity. Your opponents are going to fold too often, and that's going to result in you winning lots of small pots that you do not, in theory, own. So anyway, you're shoving all these. Do pound implications. ICM, change the value of pocket, pay, of pocket pairs. Yeah, a lot, In PokerCoaching.com, in the app, we have GTO preflop charts for payout implication scenarios. Let's see if I can pull it up real quick. I don't know if this is going to work. You know how things work whenever you try to do stuff on your computer. Live, quickly. You all may may not believe this, but this show is live. It is not edited. I know a lot of YouTube content creators only make stuff recorded because, well, they can screw up as much as they want and it's a okay. I can't screw up at all here. And if I do, hopefully you're forgiving. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let's take a look at uh, ICM, one one big blind, anti, five ways. Okay, let me show you these charts we have on poker coaching. We have these scenarios. All these are chip stack distributions. Uh, The chip stack on the far right is the big blind. This is the small blind. This is the button. This is the cutoff. This is the hijack. So let's take a look at a scenario we were probably just looking at about this one. 60, 30, 15, 45, 20. So big blind has 20 big blinds, okay? Notice, in this scenario, big, black has, big blind has 20 big blinds. This is the exact same spot in theory, but not really. This is at a, a payout, a final table payout scenario. What should the players do? All right. In this scenario, let's say the big stack with 60 big blinds raises, okay? So what we do is we click here, we click men. They raise. Now, what should the cutoff do? Cut off with 30 big blinds has to be super nitty they really don't want to go broke before the 15 big blind stack and the 20 big blind stack okay so let's say cut off min raises uh cu- I'm, so- I'm sorry Hi- hijack min raises big stack hijack min raises cut off folds button what do they do we're going to presume they fold small blind what do they do we're going to presume they fold now what does the big blind do in the spot looks like big blind still gets the shove, kind of wide perhaps wider even in this scenario than gto which is kind of cool to see Notice they heavily favor the ace Notice here, some ace shoving, but with ICM, more ace shoves in these scenarios. And this is because I have to presume the 20 big blind stack is close enough to the shallowest stack and the big stack's opening wide. All right, let's change it up. Let's go back to uh, right here. Let's presume... This is off my screen. Give me a second, I'll refresh it. We have such a nice, beautiful screen setup I set up in like two seconds. Let's see. Let's presume now we are against a under the gun fold, and now a cutoff min raise with a pretty strong range. Button's going to fold. Small blind's going to fold. Now what do we do again? Notice now slightly different range, fewer ASAC shoves because the thirty big blind stack should generally be stronger. We do still see the small pair shoving in this scenario. Need to see. Need to see. Let's go over here to this spot. Let's look at under the gun versus button. Do I have a button 20 big blind stack here? Eh, I don't. Let's take a look at. Actually, I'm not gonna go through these anymore. What this is meant to say is that yes, your ranges are going to change. That said, unless you're in really early-ish position or earlier position, the small pairs are still probably gonna shove because you don't really have many other options with 20 big blinds. All right. Next, we have to move forward. Why we got to move forward? I have two more big points. They're bigger than the first one. And, 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 I have a poker coaching webinar happening right after this webinar. So if you're a poker coaching member, make sure you get in there. All right. What's wrong with this? They want a comma? No, thank you. All right. Next, do not play too weakly on the flop. Do not overfold to small flop continuation bets unless the flop is excellent for your opponent's range. From in position, you got to call quite wide against flop bets. Usually, the plan is to check or small value bet on the river, assuming your hand is marginal-ish. If your hand is trash, we're going to bluff the river very often, and we'll talk about that later. Now, one thing I want to point out here. Do not overfold to small continuation bets. Against big continuation bets, you fold a lot. Okay. I say, say here, fold far more often against larger bets with just an underpair. Okay, let's talk about this. This is button versus the big blind. We're looking at 40 big blinds deep, okay? And this will kind of apply to when you're playing deeper stacked as well. Shallower stack stuff will start to change a little bit. What are we looking at here? The webinar displays on the 18th on the dashboard. Oh my gosh. Can't do it on the 18th. I'm doing it today. We're running it. That's not good. Give me a second. I've got to tell my team real quick. Maybe they'll fix it. Maybe they won't. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. can I do it tomorrow no I can't brutal um we're doing it today we're doing it in 38 minutes no other option scheduling is tough you know as soon as I say we're doing this stuff live should we edit this video editor can you cut out all of this uh, get rid of all the people who are here ignore them all they do not exist anymore we're gonna start over wouldn't that be funny if we just like cut this off and you all vanish from existence? That would be funny. We're not doing that though. All right, what we're looking at. 40 big blinds deep here. Button raises, big blind calls. Okay. We're looking at our spot from the big blind. Plop comes. 633. Again, I know it's a little bit tiny for you. 633. We check. The button bets 1.5 big blinds. I'm presuming the button is betting 1.5 big blinds with the GTO 1.5 big blind betting range. Okay. They they will have some bigger bets sometimes. They will have some smaller bets sometimes. Like this spot here. They'll definitely use bigger bets. We'll talk about that one in a minute. All right, 6-3-3. You can use some common sense. You can't go around folding pocket pairs on 6-3-3. Some of the weakest players, though, fold small pairs on 6-3-3. Notice 5s, 4s, and 3s call every time. Okay? 5s, 4s, and 3s call every single time on 6-3-3. 40 big blinds deep. Fine. What about 9-8-3? This one feels a little bit dicier. Because if you have pocket 4s on 9-8-3, it feels pretty trashy from out of position. Okay? But take a look at this. On 983, sixes, fives, fours, and twos all call and sevens. So, why are we calling these hands? We're calling these hands because against a 1.5 big blind bet into what, a five point something big blind pot, actually, seven point, yeah, 5.9 big blind pot, you can't go around folding getting really good odds. You just can't fold getting excellent odds. Essentially, your opponent's saying, I don't think you're going to realize 20 ish percent equity. And will pocket sevens or pocket twos realize 20% equity on nine, eight, three? The answer is yes. It's a dicey spot. It's going to be rough. You need to study how to play on the turn in the river. But this is a scenario where you are definitely going to realize your equity well enough. And if your opponent does just start blasting off, because that's what a lot of people fear, they think, all right, I'm going to check, call the flop. And then my opponent's going to bet the turn and bet the river. And then I have to fold. Oh, what a disaster. But notice you got nines in your range. You got eights in your range. You have some nine eights in your range. You have some top pairs in your range. And these hands just start not folding. Also, say the turns like a king. You're calling king, queen. Great, you have the nuts now. I was actually told by my video editor on YouTube that I'm not allowed to say a hand is the nuts unless it's the actual nuts because apparently YouTube people think that the nuts means the best hand only. In my opinion, Jonathan Little's opinion, the nuts means a hand that is unfoldable, the effective nuts. Can you imagine if I have to say the word effective in front of the word nuts every single time I want to talk about a hand that's .001 to like top 10% of hands? What a waste of time that would be. I'm a big fan of not wasting time, for those who do not know. And anything you can do to shortcut in a logical manner makes a whole lot of sense to me. So, from now on, anytime I say the nuts, it means the effective nuts. So you are here listening to this right now. You know it's the case. If you're not, you can still complain in the comment section. That's not the nuts. King-Queen's only top pair on the 983 board. When you turn a King. That's okay. All right. As you see here, we're going to be able to defend against a flop bet, turn bet, and river bet often enough. And you should be folding out the bottom portion of your range by the river the majority of the time. Chillin agrees with the editor for clarity. Now look. Now look. Do you think that Jonathan Little thinks that King Queen is the best possible hand on 983 King? Do you think that I think you're dumb enough to not realize King Queen is not the best possible hand ever on nine eight three King? I don't even know what number nuts it is. All right, I turn the seventeen hundredth nuts on the nine eight three when I make a King, even though it's one of the best hands in the range. I hope you all know that on nine eight three King, the nuts is not King Queen. Now, if you don't know that, I have a video series for you. It is. Mastering the Fundamentals. Go to PokerCoaching.com Fundamentals. It's completely free because this information that I'm telling you the King-Queen on 983 King is not the absolute possible best hand ever should not be charged for in my opinion. I know some people out there try to charge you for this super valuable information but if you cannot read the board I have a video series for you to help you with that and it costs you zero dollars. I made it for some people because I realize some people do not understand that King-Queen is not the actual top super duper nuts on 983King, but it is the effective nuts. Effective nuts mean this hand is so good at this stack depth to the point that I'm not folding this hand ever. Funny enough, I was actually just telling uh, one of my people to pull up a sim for me for deep stack cash games where you have not the nuts, but the effective nuts on 983. Actually, same board, funny enough. And I wanted to see how we're going to play 98 or pocket threes, and I presume we're just going to check raise them every time. Turns out we do. And he thought I meant like queen nine. And I'm like, yeah, queen nine is the effect of nuts, but it's not like load your money in, right? So it was funny that we were we were uh, discussing that. Peanuts, the possible nuts. <laughs> yeah, I got the peanuts. That's cute. Cute, Hugh. All right, anyway, 983, small pairs don't fold. What about boards that are worse for us? These boards are pretty good for the big blind, right? Notice we have lots of hands that are good for us. So what about boards that are not so good? Jack 10-6. What about on Jack 10-6? We check against a small bet. What do we do with small pairs now? Well, now, turns out, nines, eights, and sevens are way better than fives, fours, threes, and twos. Enough berating. I'm not berating. It's not berating. This is just hopefully helping you all understand poker vernacular a little bit better. 2023 poker vernacular. I understand that a long time ago, people did not know what the nuts is. And, um... Now they do. They realize you don't need exactly pocket aces to get it in preflop. They didn't know that back in the day. That was was news. There was a whole book by a player who has multiple World Series of Poker bracelets. He's, well, used to be very popular. And um, he talks about folding ace-king preflop. Always, for like 20 big blinds. If they were ace, ace-king's a draw hand. You gotta let that go. Hmm. All right. Jack, 10, 6. Very bad board for the big blind because the, inus- the initial razor on the button is going to have all the best big cards. Notice these hands that we are lacking, right? We're lacking aces, kings, queens, jacks, 10s, ace, king, ace, queen. Well, all of these nail the jack, 10, 6, either with a pair or a draw to the actual nuts or effectiveness if you make top pair. And you see, we don't have these, but the big blind does. Also, we have a am l- sorry, the uh, button does. Also, we have a whole lot of trash in our range, right? So all of these hands, well, a lot of these hands are not in the opponent's range, but they're in our range, and that's going to result in us having a lot of garbage. So this is just not a good spot for us. So when it's not a good spot for you, even facing a small bet, you should fold the small pairs. Against a bigger bet, which the opponent should use on jack-10-6 sometimes, you are going to fold even like nines, eights, and sevens. So understand that these two-out draws, essentially, are not that good when your opponent is loading money in. What about on ace-queen-7? Against a small bet of 1.5 big blinds, you actually have to call a little bit more often on ace, queen, seven than you do on jack, ten, six. Which is perhaps a little bit counterintuitive, but notice now, sixes, fives, fours, threes, and twos are calling at least some portion of the time. Now, against most people who maybe don't raise the button quite as wide as they should, which means their range is going to be slightly bigger, slightly stronger, if that's the case, then yeah, you should probably fold out the small pairs. But, 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 if their ranges are too wide, you should be sticking around a little bit more often. Also notice, as we're going to see in one of the future points, pocket two starts to battle a little bit here. It check raises. Cool. Why is it check raising? Well, you want to find draws. What are draws on ace, queen, seven? You want to check raise some high equity draws, and then you want to check raise some draws that are not quite good enough to check call. Like small pairs, perhaps, and bottom pairs, perhaps. Notice you don't really want to check-raise King-10 here because King-10 actually has some showdown value and you don't want to check-raise and then get shoved on. And you will get shoved on some portion of the time on Ace-Queen-7. So you want to be check-raising with some hands that can easily get the money in. Top pairs, right? Then you want to be check-raising some hands that are fine check-raising and then folding if shoved, which are going to be these hands down in this region. Oh my gosh, I'm getting another call. Kids are all having trouble. Let me let me talk to this doctor real, real quick. No sound, no sound. Why is there no sound on the video? The other day, we were at a swimming pool, and my kid went over to another kid's house, and they were hanging out in the basement, playing sport games and watching TV. I don't know what they're doing. Doing what kids do. And then he started coughing uncontrollably. So we took him to a city MD. They said he was reacting to something. He seems fine. They gave him some respirator thing. I don't, know. I don't even know what they did. Anyway, he has to go get a flu shot tomorrow. And I figured, can we see the doctor for them to quickly check him out? And the lady said, eh, maybe, we'll see. When are you going to grow a de Granu beard and flip hair? Or hair flip? Not the five-day shadow I am sporting. I actually shaved this morning, would you believe that? You all know I had a giant red beard in sixth grade. True story. I'm a hairy fellow. Okay. On, the Ace-Queen-Seven, you see bottom pairs are used as check raises because they can easily check raise and then fold. Also check raising lots of nut hands, and then it turns out some of the small pairs do like to get after it. All right, let's take a look at some other spots where we're in position. So out of position, you see some folds with the smallest pairs. In position though, you're just not folding. So let's take a look at this. six three three. but now we are on the button versus a low jack raise, okay? 633, buttoned against the low jack raise. And on the flop, they're now betting 4.1 big blinds from out of position. You may not know this unless you studied at pokercoaching.com. From out of position, you're going to be betting way more polarized and way less frequently. That's because neither player has much of a range or a nut advantage. And when you're out of position and you do not have a range or nut advantage, you have to do a lot of checking. All right. What are the effective stacks here? 40 big blinds. 40 big blinds. This you can extrapolate this to work in deeper stack scenarios as well, shallower stacks can be a little bit different. All right, now take a look at what we do with on 633. Notice now fives, fours, twos, all call. Right? Obviously, five, 2s all call. Notice we're not raising because we think they're the best hand or anything like that. Um, we're mostly calling. What about on 983? 983 in position against a 4.1 big blind bet into a 6.9 big blind pot. You see, all the small pairs call again. Except for twos. Twos are now folding sometimes, but calling some. Okay. What about on? This is incorrect. Copy pasta error. There we go. All right. Jack 10-6. Very bad flop for small pairs. However, notice nines, eights, sevens, fives, fours, threes, and twos get to call a lot against the 1.7 big blind bet. Now. I'm sure they're going to be using mixed sizes on Jack-10-6. But we see on Jack-10-6, against a small bet, you do get to call. Against a bigger bet, nines and lower are going to fold. Because this is a board where we actually have a lot of connects. We actually hit pretty well on this board. So, against a big bet, like pot or three-fourths pot, small uh, nines and lower will fold. But against a small bet, like we said earlier, for 1.7 big blinds, you get to stick around with the small pairs. What about on Ace-Queen-7? Same story. Against a small bet, you get to stick around. Do notice the smallest pairs, sevens or sixes and lower do fold sometimes. But against small bet, you continue. Against a bigger bet, you will fold. Anytime you look at a simulation, by the way, and you see that the bet size is small, pot's 6.9, they're betting 1.7. Um, In this scenario, if you see the small pairs are folding some, you can just extrapolate a little bit and understand that the small pairs will fold far more often against a bigger bet. Notice two's getting after it again. Spicy, spicy. All right. Number three, this is where most people, myself included, mess up. Okay. What you want to... No, not fail. Do not fail. Did I mess this up on all these slides? Man, oh man, we were in a hurry this morning, huh? We were in a hurry this morning. We had a lot to do. I have a lot going on right now in life. Whenever you take three weeks off and you go to the mountains, inevitably, everything gets messed up. Do not fail to bluff when it makes sense. When you lack logical bluffs, like straight draws or like uh, draws that completely miss that don't block your opponent's holding range, right? If you you have draws that need to bluff, you often want to be bluffing them first. But if you don't have those in your hand or in your range, often the small pairs are going to be used as bluffs. So when you lack logical bluffs and your under pairs are unlikely to be good on the turn in the river, bluffing often makes sense. This will usually be the case when your opponent's range should be somewhat capped, usually due to them checking or the board getting really good for you. Sometimes you just have to go for it. Let's take a look at a few spots here. 40 big lines deep, low jack raises, you call on the button. Ace, queen, seven. We just looked at this. They've 1.7 big blinds, we call. We literally just looked at this chart. Here it is. As you see, small pairs are calling some portion of the time. Okay? Now, turn is the eight of clubs. And the low jack checks. Now, when the low jack checks, very often their range is going to be somewhat capped because if they had one of the best hands in their range, they would usually keep betting. Now, of course, they're going to slow play logically sometimes. But quite often they're going to be marginal, which is going to be a medium-ish ace and worse. So if they have a queen and you bet the turn and bet the river, very often they're going to fold. If they have a bad ace, they may even find a fold. If they have nothing... They're definitely going to fold, right? And the nice thing about using the small pairs as a bluff here is that you clean up your equity very well. Because imagine the opponent is sitting here with, whatever, jack nine for a gut shot, and they decide to not bluff it. In this scenario, if you bet the turn and they fold, they're folding out the equity that they have. They have a solid 10 outs against you, right? And not just that, if it goes check-check on the turn and they have jack high on the river, they're going to feel somewhat inclined to bluff you on the river, and then you're going to fold. So betting is quite nice with these smallest pairs. And as we see on this turn... Fours, threes, and twos are betting some portion of the time and the size that is used, we see here. Take a look at this hand. 47% of the time we're betting pot, 10 big blinds, with twos on ace, queen, seven, eight. The other half of the time we're betting 6.2 big blinds. We're betting big. You may ask why are we betting big here. We're betting big because our value hands are usually very strong and they just want to get money in the pot. And the opponent's range should all have some amount of equity, right? Because remember, they raise the low jack. They don't have total trash here all that often. So they're going to have some sort of marginal pair, like a bad ace or a queen. And take a look at the hands that are loading money in, right? The hands that are loading money in are hands that beat bad aces. Ace nine and better, right? And then some draws. What are draws on ace, queen, seven, eight? Well, we see jack 10 and ten nine betting a lot. King 10 and king jack betting a lot. But apparently that's not enough bluffs. So when that's not enough bluffs, you got to find some more bluffs. 6-5 6-5 five, and 5-4 five, for gut shots make a lot of sense. But apparently that's not enough bluffs. So would we rather bluff with stuff like King-7 for a pair or would we rather bluff with stuff like the small pairs? And it turns out the small pairs are rather bluff because you're happier betting these and then folding if you get raised. It's very important. Whenever you're betting a draw, usually when you're playing this stack depth, you want to have draws in your range that can bet and then easily fold. You don't necessarily bet draws that have pretty good equity that have to fold, which is why you see twos betting every time in Jack-10 or double gut shot betting a little bit less often, right? And when it does bet, it looks like it's perhaps airing towards the smaller bet size. So, we're going to bet the turn. Say we do bet the turn. Say the river is a 3. Ace, Queen, Seven Eight Three. 8, 3. Now, what are we going to value bet on the river? You may think, Ace-9, can we really value bet Ace-9? Yeah, you can. Ace-9 is almost always good here. So we see Looks like roughly Ace, Jack, and better is ripping it in for value. Straight value with Ace, Jack, and better. Okay, so we need to find some bluffs. Find me some bluffs on this Ace, Queen, seven eight three. I presumed we uh, bet two-thirds pot on the turn, by the way. We did not pot it. We bet two-thirds pot. If we potted it, our range would be a little bit different, but we'd still be shoving the draws, I gotta presume. I'm sorry, shoving a lot of bluffs on the river. Let's take a look at our bluffs that are shoving. Jack, 10 is nothing. It is betting. 10, 9 is nothing. It is betting. 6-5 uh, is nothing, it is betting. 5-4 is nothing, it is betting. Low pairs are nothing, they are betting. All in, most of the time. Not always, but most of the time. And this is a good example of a spot where most people do not have these small bluffs in their range, a small pair of bluffs in their range. So imagine you know your opponent does not have small pair of bluffs in their range. What should that do to your calling range, exploitatively? Take a second, think about it. Type it in the comment section. Type it in the chat. Be sure to check out the free Poker Coaching Study Sessions in the Discord. They usually run right after this show. Although today, I'm telling you all, right now, sorry. i sorry we're screwed up the schedule. We're doing the homework webinar right after this. Even if there are two people in it. Bad timing, I know. What a blunder. Someone typed the wrong information. Probably me. All right, if your opponent's not bluffing the small pairs here, and they don't have other logical bluffs in their range to replace them, their range should be too strong, which means they're lacking bluffs, which means now you should be calling tighter than the GTO recommendation against your opponent's bet. Is anybody here? Type something in the chat. I haven't seen anybody type anything for a little while. It makes me think this is broken. Maybe it's broken, maybe it's not. I talk to the doctor for the kid's sake as fast as I possibly can, and uh, everybody leaves. All right. So, as we see here, they check to us on the turn. Small pairs start bluffing. They check to us on the river. Small pairs rip it all in. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Are you making this shove on the river every time you have the pocket twos? Or the majority of the time you have pocket twos? What about fours? What about fives, right? I can tell you I'm probably not, and that's bad. You got to go for it in these scenarios. When you watch the best players in the world playing super high roller tournaments... They go for these spots, they have studied these scenarios, they know this relatively common spot pretty well. And they go for it, and they're not afraid, they're not a chicken. And the neat thing about this spot is that your opponent may overfold on the river, you give them a bad ace, they just may just let it go. When they let it go, you're crushing them with these bluffs, you should be betting even more bluffs. And I see a lot of you here saying that you all literally never go for this bluff, and that's a problem problem. You got to go for it. This will often be the case when you should go for these bluffs when your opponent's range is capped. I want to make that very clear. When this opponent checks the turn, they very often don't have a good ace anymore. And this is especially true against most small and medium stakes players because they do not know that they need to check the turn with some of their best hands to protect their range. I'm calling the two-third pot on the turn. It's tough. Well, put put yourself in your opponent's shoes. Imagine you have king-queen or ace-four. Are you folding king-queen or ace-four to a turn bet? No. But on the river, if you check, and then your opponent bets pot again, overpot actually. By the way, this is an overpot size bet on the river. For 30 big blinds. Are you calling it off with the ace-four for a 1.3x pot size river shove? I mean, look, I know I am. <laughs> but King-Queen, I might fold. But Ace-X, uh, Ace, I don't really think you can fold. Does stack depth change this? Of course they do. As you get deeper, you have to value shove less often, because now hands like maybe Ace-Jack are not the super-duper effective nuts anymore. But also, you should be bluffing more often for bigger sizes, which may result in these small pairs going forward again. Your draws usually will also come from more high-equity draws when you're playing deeper and deeper stacked. So you'll probably have more Jack-10 and 10-9 in your range, if I had to guess, which will logically bluff the river. Because these block some of the opponent's auto-calls with Ace-Jack and Ace-10. You say your opponent can't have anything more than top pair. No, I mean, look, that's not true, right? If your opponent's good, they will have some nuts in their check-calling range, right? And that's important to realize. You think you got worse by studying. You know, look, sometimes people are working on implementing new things to their game, Initially, things go worse for them because they're trying to implement something and they implement it very incorrectly. For example, if you're playing 12 big blinds deep and you try to use this strategy, you're going to get crushed. Why? Because your opponent's not going to fold a pair then, right? So you have to make sure you're implementing the strategy correctly. And as you get better and better, you'll realize that studying helps you and does not hurt you. Unless maybe you're... I mean, when would studying actually hurt you? I don't even know, man. Most people just study the wrong stuff if it's not applicable to what they're doing. Oh my gosh, so many times people would come to me and say, all right, I am going to go play a no-limit hold'em tournament. So to study, I decided to watch, insert any great poker player, play high-stakes heads-up pot-limit Omaha to study. Or I'm going to go play a poker tournament, and I decided to watch some live poker cash game streams to help me study. Like, what are you doing? Study what is applicable to you. Now, certainly, many forms of poker are kind of applicable back and forth, but like if you are a No Limit Hold'em player, it would be, and you know you're not going to play any other game besides No Limit Hold'em, it would be really dumb to think you're getting better at poker by watching someone play Seven Card Stud or Badoogie or pot at Omaha. That would be really dumb. I can't make it, I can't sugarcoat it because that would be dumb of me to sugarcoat it. You should disown me if I would sugarcoat this be fair, you know me. I don't sugarcoat anything because I think that's for babies. You are all are not babies. I'm trying to make you strong people here. Um, So realize that you need to study what is applicable to you. When you get deeper stack, should you decrease or increase your VPIP? Depends on your position. In position, you play looser. Out of position, you play tighter, right? You realize your equity worse from out of position when you're deeper stacked. You can see this very clearly by checking out the charts at pokercoaching.com. What do you do when you're on a downswing? You're off. You're almost always going to be on a downswing in tournaments. That's how tournaments work. Chris says, one of your friends uh, studies like this. Yeah, so many people go and work all day. They play poker on the weekends or every once in a while at night. And their poker study, quote unquote study, is to come home, pop open a beer, and watch people play heads up, no limit hold'em. And they get to see who wins. Nothing wrong with heads up, no limit hold'em. But that's not going to help you get better at poker tournaments. Hate to break it to you. Except for, of course, the heads up section of a poker tournament, which you almost never get to. Anyway, anyway. As you see here, you're going for it. Why is the highest bet for 2-2, 299 big blinds? Shouldn't it be 150-ish? No, we started 40 big blinds deep. The way you read this is uh, 29.9, or 299 is 29.9 big blinds. We started with 40-ish. Should it be less? Maybe it should be less. No, we started with 40. We have 30 left. No, so uh, the way the way this works, look, we started with 40, minus one minus preflop, so minus 2. So we're at 38, minus 1.7, call it 2, we're at 36. Then we bet 6 on the turn. We're down to 30, and now on the river we have 30. So, no. Yeah, crack open a soda and watch five hours of the Tournament or Cash Game Masterclass. There you go. All right. Let's look at a spot where you should not bluff with small pairs. Okay? In this scenario, 40 big blinds deep, low jack raises, big blind calls. Flop comes queen jack three, low jack best 1.5, big blind calls with all the small pairs. Turns a six, low jack checks. Big blind or button. Big blind checks. Okay. River is the three of clubs. Shh. Am I pulling up the wrong chart? This is this is button. This is button. This is button. My bad, everyone. I'm the worst today. I thought I did such a good job of preparing. All right, we're in position. We're at position. Check, bet, call. No, we're out of position. This is big blind. My bad, everybody. My bad, everybody. My bad, everybody. My bad, everybody. Okay, big blind. We're going to have to delete this one, huh? We're not deleting it. Letting it run. This will be the worst reviewed video I've ever made. Sorry, everyone. All right. Now we're not going to bluff. Queen, Jack, three, six, seven of diamonds. Now we are out of position, now we are not bluffing. Out of position, very often, you do not bluff in these spots because the opponent's range, when they check it back on the turn, should have a lot of medium-strength hands, right? Ace highs, which we actually beat with our small pairs. Also, king highs, which we beat with our small pairs. And medium-strength hands, like a six, or a jack, or a queen. How do we do against a six, or a jack, or a queen? We lose. But will a six, a jack, or a queen fold to a bet? The answer is no. The Queen of Jack or, well, the Queen or Jack's not going to fold to any bat. A six may find a fold. So in this scenario, notice we have a lot of draws that can bluff. King 10, King 9, 10 9, 10 8, right? All these hands are going to bluff a large chunk of the time. And also, your opponent's not folding a medium strength hand. So here we really want to block the opponent's auto calls. What are the opponent's auto calls that make a lot of sense? Well, that's going to be Queen 10. Queen 9, Queen 8. So I'd like to have a blocker to those, a 10, a 9, or an 8. Also, Ace-Jack, King-Jack, Jack-10, Jack-9, Jack-8. So I'd love to have an Ace or a King in my hand. I'd really prefer, though, since those two kind of line up right on top of each other. I really want to have a King or a 10 or a 9, I think. So let's just see if that makes logical sense. I'm just looking at this board here, thinking about the draws, or thinking about the made hands the opponent could have, right? They would check back the turn. So notice, are a lot of Kings bluffing? So look, King- 10 is bluffing every time. King 9 is bluffing every time. King 7 is a pair. King 6 is a pair. King 3 is a pair. So, no. Um, What about 10-9? 10-9 is bluffing pretty often. Not always, though. 10-8 is bluffing pretty often. 9-8 is bluffing some. So, you know, sure. Notice, though, small pairs are never betting. Funny enough, 7s and 6s are actually checking to protect the range. That's cool. Uh, But you see fours and twos here are never betting. And that's because fours and twos don't block their calling range at all. And, and very importantly here, these hands can actually win at the showdown sometimes. Pretty reasonably. Because usually opponents can have a lot of ace high when they check it back on the turn. That will fold to a river bet. Okay, so this is a spot where you do not want to be bluffing. What a disaster. I have a poker coaching webinar starting soon that is apparently not scheduled. And I want to make sure I didn't screw that one up too. So we're going to wrap it up. Three mistakes to avoid with small pocket pairs. Number one, do not three bet them preflop too often unless, specifically, you are shallow stacked slash out of position. Next, do not play two weekly postflop. You have to call when your opponent bets. And sometimes you got to go ahead and raise it up and set up some bluffs with the smallest pair when you don't have logical draws to use. Next, do not fail to bluff with them when it makes sense. That's especially true on the turn and river. When you cannot win at the showdown, when the board is good for your range, when your opponent is capped and you can make them play for a lot of money okay i apologize for the rough day today every time i go on a trip and i come back something goes wrong every single time i just realized i don't have my computer's super duper mega fan on i have underneath it it's 109 degrees that's hot for a laptop Ah. <sighs> crazy thing is I'm going out of town for two weeks on Wednesday to go battle in the Poker Masters tournament. And when I come back, I'm sure everything's going to be a disaster again. You'll put up with me. You will love me. You will love me. (laughs) What a weird thing to say. Oh, goodness gracious. Thank you all for being here. I appreciate each and every one of you. Good luck in your games. Have fun. Make the most of your opportunities. I will be streaming, assuming my internet works in Las Vegas, a $5,000 buy-in tournament and a $888 buy-in tournament on Sunday. We'll be giving away some of my action to those. To the people in the chat also i'm playing some poker masters tournaments and we'll be giving away some of my action there to people in our discord so make sure you get in the poker coaching discord also we have study sessions in the poker coaching discord regularly louis Fleet runs the majority of them and he does an amazing job and our students are crushing it here we had a fifth and sixth place just this week in the 1500 buy-in world series online tournament so good job with that I may also stream slash play some other World Series events if I'm out of the Poker Masters tournaments. So maybe there'll be some impromptu streams. We'll see. Anyway, I don't know what's going on. Life's hectic. Good luck. Have fun. Thanks again to each and every one of you for being here. Check out PokerCoaching.com. Tell your friends about the channel. Click the like and subscribe button. I'll talk to all of you next time.